0: DJPK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. We got a lot of people weighing in. Kalani, BYU, USC, Washington, anybody else, what is going to happen? How concerned are you that Kalani could be leaving for another job? Common Sense Man says he's not going anywhere. No one's paying the big dollars for a coach that has only had one good season in five years. 2020 doesn't count. If you didn't beat anyone, he has mediocre recruiting and no signature wins in six years unless you count beating Utah once.
1: That's a dumb take. Right <laughs> like, what about USC? What yeah, USC
0: feels like a signature win, doesn't it? When they were storming the Tennessee, going to Wisconsin. And no one's going to pay the big Stupid. dollars for a coach that's had only one good season. I give you Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. Has Steve ever won 10 games in a season? No. Well, in six full seasons, well, now seven seasons, he's had one nine-win season. He's always lost four games in a season. So, yeah, they will. They absolutely will. Texas already did it.
1: Well, I wish that BYU would have been able to play some Pac-12 teams last year, because then we would have seen how bad they are, because there's no way BYU beats Pac-12 teams.
0: Uh, Oh, wait. (laughs) Hot take that is cool dramatically. James says BYU has nothing to worry about if they pay the man. Ball's in their court. If he does leave, it means BYU's too cheap to play big boy ball. And BYU will either be a stepping stone or mired in mediocrity in perpetuity, unless they upgrade their salaries.
1: Compl- except they're not mired in mediocrity right now, but you tell me they need to upgrade their salaries, so there's inconsistency in that line of thinking already.
0: Well, except it's going to change because they're going to go to Big 12. I think the assumption is built in that they're going to have to... Uh, up their game. If if you can do what Kalani has done and then be pried away, then BYU is going to be stuck in
1: mediocrity in the Big 12. Uh, too much of an assumption for me.
0: Royal, how worried am I? I was at 0% worry until his comments, or lack of comments, yesterday. Hearing Jimbo Fisher say he'd be the dumbest man on earth to go to LSU made me wish Kalani would say something similar. Instead, he said he needs to focus on Georgia Southern, dot, dot, dot.
1: Well, he's going to have conversation. He's going to listen. Be so cra- he'd be crazy not to. The money just is too overwhelming not to. Every single one of us, everyone, down to the last man, woman, and child in his situation would say, what do you got?
0: And we know what uh, Jimbo Fisher has at Texas a and m that makes his answers different. A ten-year yeah, contract, 10-year contract. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it was uh, when he signed, the average was seven and a half million, but they've been upgrading as it goes along. so now uh, he's making nine million dollars.
1: Come so, on, man. So, it's way more. Than yeah, and it's I don't— double what Kyle's making.
0: And I don't think USC or Washington is going to the $9 million neighborhood. I know the Washington AD, you had the quote earlier, they got deep pockets and they'll spend it because they want to win. But I don't think they're going to $9 million. I think that's why people talk about the SEC one way and the Pac-12 another because the big right. dogs—well, in. The, well, I don't even be. know the big dogs. The people who want to be the big dogs in the SEC because Alabama and this year Georgia and another year LSU— Texas A and M hasn't hasn't been the big dog, but they're paying because they want to be the big dog.
1: Well go to the SEC if you want the most amount of money, but uh, and go to a select f- schools in the SEC and then you can get the most amount of money. But if you can somehow manage to live get by on three, four five million in Provo, uh you know you're obviously you can there. So you're not you're not gonna get that. Nor nor do I think you're gonna go searching for that because I don't see where uh, Kalani would want to uproot everything and go in that direction here, uh, but if for nothing else, he listens to get his assistance. Boom. I mean, I'm Boom. tired of the. Uh, I'm tired of the days of where, or the thought process. Well, it's just assumed that the assistants, particularly the non-Latter-day Saint assistants, will be out the door as soon as they can because the money's better. And, uh, you know, I had one uh, fairly pro- high-profile assistant say to me, why can't I just grow my mustache down a little bit? I looked at him. I said, I don't know, man. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, I tell, I said, you know, I live with people in the neighborhood, and they got beards and whatnot, and they're all faithful with BYU. And he was, he was legitimately asking me about it. And we were having a conversation on the practice field. And he was asking me about it. Uh, and I'm, I can't explain it. I only came to the conclusion that it's some stupid rule, and you know maybe they can ease up on that, lighten up a little bit here. The world has changed, and not all changes for the worse. So uh, there's there's things that can be done. And also, I want these assistants to be able to say, well, I need, I've got a good thing here. And then too, if they should go like they had to go last season, right? It isn't assumed, well, we're going to get an entry-level guy at bottom dollar, cheap rate. No. BYU going forward is not an entry-level position anywhere, anywhere. You know, maybe they're grad assistants or whatnot. But those coaching positions, no. They shouldn't be viewed, certainly at the coordinator level. Get out of town in a hurry, man. That's the great thing about this thing here. And one of the reasons they haven't missed a beat is they took, when Grimes left, they replaced – an offensive coordinator with an offensive coordinator. That's awesome that they've been able to do that. That they they had that Aaron Roderick there, and he's been calling the place for a couple years. So it was an absolutely seamless transition. But the fact that he's on the staff, I don't want to be starting out guys anymore at BYU. That just doesn't work.
0: The Bruce tweets Addison says, How worried am I? Zero. But. That doesn't mean you can mistreat him in compensation, plus the compensation for the assistant coaches and more football analysts. So Bruce doesn't think he's going, but Bruce wants to make sure he's got everything he's got around him. Yeah, okay. Benjamin right. says he's That's a Lavelle fair. guy. It means more to him to try and uphold that legacy, but we should not take him for granted. Pay the man. Yeah. And his guy's. Yeah, and his guys underline it! Exclamation point! Wouldn't be yeah. the worst thing if you gave coordinators multi-year deals,
1: up their pay, put them on closer to on par. That's the big thing. I don't think any of us is asking a uh, dollar for dollar, but I think what we're asking is be closer, make substantial gains, because we know that hasn't been the case.
0: David says, I'm fairly concerned unless the pay is addressed. Once it is, then I'm not concerned. I would buy that. Tyson says, as a BYU fan, I've been conditioned to expect the worst. Things have been going great, comma, so, dot, 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 I'm concerned.
1: All right. Reasonable.
0: Matt's a 0% concern. He fits BYU like a glove. He's wise to know how rare that is.
1: Why wouldn't he fit some other place like a glove?
0: <laughs> For twice the money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hit us up on Twitter. David DJ James. Willie, Kalani wants to be like his mentor, Lavelle Edwards. Lavelle didn't chase
1: the dollars. You're dreaming. <laughs> what was the difference in what he was making versus the what other the stuff? Detroit
0: Lions would have paid? I
1: don't know. Yeah, so uh, come on. I I think you're you're hoping and wishing and you're you're trying to go because uh, you're you're basing it on Lavell Edwards. We need to get past that line of thinking. I mean, nobody um, Professed a greater love of the the environment at BYU, blah, 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 than Bronco. And, and they doubled his money, and boom, he was gone. I think that the one thing that works well for Kalani there is Bronco was smothered by all the attention. He likes football being fifth in Charlottesville. and Kalani, to his credit, is completely comfortable in his skin, walking around as one of, if not the highest profile person in all of Utah County. All right? He's the ultimate person, schmoozer, people person, and that stuff doesn't bother him. And that's great because you are smothered when you're the BYU football coach. It is such a big deal, and it's only going to get bigger. It's not going to get smaller. It's not going to even level off. I think it's going to get bigger. So you need somebody who knows how to handle that, Clearly, he knows how to handle that.
0: Yeah, it goes back to Tom talking about everything has changed, everything has sped up, and it's not going back. Going to the Big 12 is going to put a bigger spotlight on things. The successes oh, yeah. will feel bigger. The failures will be will be harder to deal with. You know, if you, if you slip and get down, the whole league will be waiting to just pound on you.
1: Right. When <clears throat> they go in the Big 12, they're going to play – multiple ranked teams throughout the course of the conference season, right? Um, that happened maybe with TCU and Utah, and you're probably not getting both of them home here. You're, you're probably going to have ranked teams coming in, multiple ranked teams in your in your conference schedule, and it's just going to be great. We're going to get – if BYU's in the thick of things, which they'll be, I don't know that they'll be every year. I don't know that they'll be the first year, but they're going to be in contention in November, And a fan base is just going to be on fire because they haven't had that for 12 years by the time they get to it. And it is just going to be the utmost attention is going to be focused on that. I don't know how they're going to schedule it. And, you know, is it going to be Oklahoma State coming in on the second week of November? And the Cowboys are eight and one. Cougars are 7-2, and two and you know, come on. you can, That's just going to be gigantic, especially because it's been gone for so long. You haven't had it, and now you're going to get it after next year. And man, that's it. And, and, and BYU does an have opportunity to take advantage of it, too. They need to step up their game and make sure they start charging premium dollar for all these things, you yeah. know. That cup of Coors Light, bump it up to 10 bucks. you know what uh, I mean? I wonder where yeah. you were
0: going there. Coors is. Light, uh-huh. <laughs> Total revenue. Well, okay,
1: Coors Light, 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 Light. Is that? 0.0? <laughs> <0. laughs> yeah, I was going to say
0: Coors Zero, right? Like Coke Zero? Well, I think Heine- Z- Is it Heineken that has that, that has the 0.0, 0 near beer
1: something Yeah, they like that. call it near beer, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, old duels. Careful,
0: careful. We're going to get Catholic Matt back on the phone again (sighs) if you're not careful here.
1: Yeah. So start selling old duels at games (laughs) and
0: charge ten bucks a
1: bottle. (laughs) Give me some old duels and glass, please. Yes, sir. Coming right up.
0: Speaking of big money and trying to compete and trying to hang in there, we have breaking news: the Angels have signed Noah Syndergaard one year. $21 $21 million, pending the physical. Sources tell
1: ESPN. Artie Marino's trying to go Gene Autry and buy himself a title.
0: Let's go, $21 million. Andy up. All right, coming up, Scott Mitchell, co-host of Unrivaled and Utah football radio analyst on Game Broadcast, joins us next to talk Utah and Oregon and... Also, we have uh, Jazz tickets to give away. Jazz and Sixers tonight. No Embiid, no Simmons. Philly coming in on a four-game losing streak, and the Jazz have lost four out of five, and we will get to that next. Stay with us.
2: This is Hanson Scotty.
1: Let's do it.
3: Forward for the Utah Jazz, Eric Pasco. What's running through your mind as you stand up and you go to step on the court for the first start of those minutes that you're going to be taking in tonight?
2: I'll just bring energy. Literally, that's all I think of. Like you play the game the right way, and everything will fall in place. I mean, that's something that I've learned. You let like the game come to you, and you always uh, the one thing you can control. You can't control it if your shot goes in all the time, but you can control the energy that you bring every day. So that's one thing I try to do. And my dad always just tells me like, defense and energy travels. Shot always may not fall, but if you. Play play defense, play hard. You can always control that. So I always just have that mindset going in every game. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL Sports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and
0: 1280 The Zone. Time to talk football with Scott Mitchell, co-host of Unrivaled, Utah football radio analyst, he joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best Estate State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Scott, good morning. Hey, what's up? Good morning. Well, I got multiple things I want to talk to you about. I was looking this up uh, with the state championships coming up, and I saw Springville is playing Lehigh for the 5A title. And Springville hasn't won since 85. Is there any tie to you with that 85 game?
3: You know, it's funny you should ask me that, but yes, there is. Uh, actually, it was the first and only time that little old Springville has won a state championship in football, been to this championship game on numerous occasions, but never won it since. Aha!
0: I thought that was probably it, but it was before my time. I didn't have the years down. I just tried to count back from, uh, well, the, the, the blowout games in 88 and 89 with, uh, with Utah and BYU. And I'm like, that had to have been Scott's team. That had you, to have been.
3: You know, it's funny, too, because I've played in a lot of football games. And you just mentioned one, you know, when we beat BYU in, in 88 and you know, played professionally for 12 years. One of the greatest games I ever played in though was playing in that state championship in high school because you're a young kid and you grow up in a small town, and that's your dream when you play football. It's like we really want to win a state championship and, and to actually go and do it and do it for the first time in your life was it was so vivid and still just holds a, a really precious place in my, par- my heart is one of my, my best memories.
0: All right, before we get into all the uh, college football we want to talk with you, we are giving away tickets at uh, 30 minutes after every hour. we got Jazz tickets to give away at 8.30 right now. Two tickets, 855-340-ZONE. 855 zone Be the 12th caller right now. Yawke hook you up with tickets to see the 76ers and the Jazz tonight. If you don't win now, we'll do it at 9.30. If you don't win then, we'll have them all day long right through unrivaled. With Scott this afternoon, so there are more chances to win.
1: So Scott, I think Cam Rising is the best quarterback in the Pac-12, and I remember interviewing him when he first got to campus, and he wasn't going to be playing; he was going to be redshirting. And I came away thinking, man, this guy has got a quiet confidence about him, and he doesn't really care who they're bringing in, why they're bringing in somebody, this guy, that guy, or whatever it might be. He's just going to go beat him out. And I've been on that bandwagon for a good while. I thought he should have started earlier in the season. He didn't, but nevertheless, here he is. The team's rolling offensively. What, in your eyes, makes him as good as he is?
3: Well, I would agree with you, actually. I I think he's playing the best of quarterback. And there there are some good quarterbacks, you know, uh, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State and Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA. But the thing that jumps out at me about Cam Rising, this this is the first time this guy started. I mean, he's. I mean, he's never played in college football, and you normally see with a with a guy like that, there's like a, a growth curve. You know, there's there. You, you see, you see uh, moments of brilliance, and then you see, oh boy, that's a dumb mistake. And you really haven't seen that from Cam, aside from you know maybe maybe some inaccuracy on passes, but that's that's gotten a lot better as as the season's gone on, and he's getting more consistent with that. But this guy, he can legitimately beat you throwing the football and and running it, and and he's not just a run uh, out of desperation. I mean, this guy's a he's a legitimate run threat. He's about as dual a threat quarterback as there is, certainly in the Pac-12, and, and he's and he's up there with with people across the country. But it was it was the moment he went in at San Diego State, and it has. I mean, he, he hasn't flinched. He's just had this this energy, and he's had this, take this Utah football team, put it on my shoulders, and I'm going to lead you guys there. And everyone's bought into this. Everybody has bought into this. Crazy thing about Utah, they're being energized, led, and the the most uh, powerful part of their whole team is their offense, which probably keeps Kyle Whittingham up at night because he's such a defensive-minded coach.
0: So when you watch the uh, Utes' defensive line and you see Oregon's ability to run the ball and the quarterback, Anthony Brown, can run it. They've got their star running backs hurt, but their second and third running backs have been breaking off big plays as well. Do you think Utah's defensive front is up to the Oregon run game?
3: Of, of all the, the teams that you play all year in the Pac-12, Oregon is that tough, up front, uh, the offensive line is always good. They're always well-coached. They're physical. They they thrive on being the tough guys, and that's on both sides of the ball. And that's how Utah has built itself. Uh, you But you've got some young guys who have had to mature through the season. I mean, there's there at times have been nine freshmen on the field for Utah on defense. And so I've, I've, I've gradually seen the defensive line, this whole entire defense – grow up and and really understand where their assignments because there have been there have been times when Utah has been vulnerable uh, against the run but it's something that continues to evolve and improve as the season goes on and uh, Cole Bishop last week who's kind of this hybrid nickel uh, safety linebacker position played really well against Arizona last week and he's healthy and he, he hasn't been healthy so so Utah is about as healthy as it's been all year on defense. And, and they know this. They know that if you're going to beat Oregon, really if you're going to beat anyone in the Pac-12, you have to stop people from running the football, but especially Oregon because the quarterback's average when he has to throw the ball. And, and you make, make Oregon one-dimensional, yeah, you got a really good shot at, at winning the game. but But it will definitely be the test of all tests for Utah this year stopping the run.
1: So in a big game like this, little things matter, right? And you look at special teams, could be a difference maker a few years back uh, when they had a big game, uh, special teams, a big punt return that they lost. But uh, the punt team here has not been good this year, whether it's getting it blocked or just not punting the ball well enough. How much concern do you have
3: there? It was a massive concern. I mean – it's been a consistent problem all year. It's not like, okay, we got it fixed. Problem is, they changed punters, so they got that fixed, so the guy's actually punting the ball a lot quicker. They changed some guys, the personal protectors, the three guys that stand in front of the, the punter. They're blocking now. But now it's breakdowns on the guys at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they just whiff-blocked. This was – these were, they had, you know, not chump players. I mean, this was Devin Lloyd, one of your best players, who's on the punt team, and he kind of just – you know, had a had a brain fart and and just didn't block his guy and and let him go and and uh, the, the thing I think you know and I'm not making excuses because it is a concern and they haven't dealt with it they haven't coached it they haven't executed it consistently all year they also haven't punted a lot and especially since Cam Rising's come in you know so there's not a lot of opportunities to kind of get game reps to kind of figure stuff out in fact. I think last week was probably the most they punted in you know, in quite a while. So uh, the kickoff team, which was a problem earlier on in the year, they've had so many kickoffs because they've been scoring so many touchdowns. I mean, Utah's the, the leading scoring team in the Pac-12 that they're starting to figure out actually kickoffs and they're getting those reps. and uh, the, All the problems are correctable, but it's just about coaches coaching it better and players executing better.
0: So as much as we go into this Utah-Oregon game, Scott Mitchell joining us here, uh, as much as we go into this Oregon game and we look at the Utes, I just can't help but look at an Oregon team that they had the great win at Ohio State, and that is awesome, but five of their first seven games were by one score, and they did win four of the five, and Stanford got them in overtime, but now the last three weeks— They've won every game, 10, 14, 23 points. They're blowing people out or at least winning comfortably and not sweating it in the you know the final seconds. And I'm curious if you think Oregon has gotten better and is much better than the team that we saw in September and early October, or it was Colorado and Washington and Washington State changing coaches, and so they just hit a soft spot and their soft spot in the schedule. They look better, but it's fool's gold, and they are there for the taking when they play the Utes. What do you think?
3: No matter what, Oregon has athletes. I mean, I mean they've done an amazing job of recruiting the last, you know, really since Mario Cristobal's been there. I mean, it's a destination place for players in the Pac-12. You've got some of the best players in Utah that end up in Oregon. Uh, it's a great pro, you know, so they get really good players. And, they, and you know, they've had health issues. They've had a lot of guys out. I mean, you talk about some of the running backs have been out, mm-hmm. the offensive line, and even defensive line. I mean, they've, they, they've had injury issues. And, and if you look at Utah and you think of the Utah football team against uh, BYU and San Diego State, I mean, Utah looks completely different now than they did then. And there's an evolution, whether it's players getting back, because that's what happened with the offensive line at Utah. A lot of injuries early on. They finally got some guys that they could settle on and get a consistent group in there, and they play, and they, and they get better because they play. So I think that's, that's some of it with Oregon. Oregon. It, but they've always got talent, and then and then you've always got really crappy teams in the Pac-12. I, I mean, when Utah played Stanford a couple weeks ago, I don't, I don't I just, I was, I probably say I was just shocked at least because Stanford didn't show up and they looked terrible. And and you have you know, UCLA playing Utah, I just expected a better game. Uh, Arizona State, I expected a better game. You know, so I don't know how good even any of the teams in the Pac-12 are. And so I really, I really, and it is a question for me. I don't know how good Oregon is, really, because uh, because you know they have athletes, you know they're well coached, but who have they played? And 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 I think there are holes in their team. I mean, I'm not totally sold on the quarterback. He's a great runner, but but throwing the ball, you know, he's just he's been really really kind of shaky and in, inconsistent. So uh, I think to me, uh, I, one of the things I really want to find out Saturday night is who really Oregon is, because I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, because Kyle, obviously, he lives and dies by stopping the run, and Oregon is really good at that, and the passing isn't as good. So I'm wondering what Oregon's offensive philosophy is going to be. Are they just just going to be determined, we have to run the ball, so we're going to continue to run the ball? uh, Or do they think, well, Utah is just going to stack it against us, so... We need to spread it out right from the start. I'm intrigued as to how they're going to handle that. I don't really know.
3: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it changes for either team. I don't think it changes for Utah. I mean, you you have to you have to stop the run. Like uh, you just, I mean, there's just no way around that, no matter what. Now, how how they do that and what they do to stop it, because one of the things Utah's done is a lot a lot more run blitzing on rundowns. Uh, to get that penetration, that early penetration, to to kind of stop plays before they started, because in the past they've been able to do it with just their front four, and I don't know that they're quite that good this year, so they've had to resort to a little bit of that, uh, and and they've you know they've had they've kind of had some issues, but that but Utah is just gonna they have to stop the run, and Oregon is like Oregon is. Oregon is arrogant, right? They're, they're they're like we're Oregon, and and we we run the football. And this is who we are, and this is what we're all about. And I don't I don't see that changing. and and, and the and, you know these coaches look. We all have our egos, and these coaches are no different. and 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 they know, um, they know who their DNA, what their DNA is, and who they are, and they're gonna. They're going to be who they are, and and uh, to me that's exciting. It's like we're going to stand toe to toe in the middle of the ring, and we're going to box this thing out. There's no juking and jiving and and dancing around. We are just gonna we are going to go blow for blow for blow and see who the better team is.
0: You look at their run pass distribution and their game, and a little bit of it surprised me when I looked it up. I think that they are um, essentially Air Force. Um, it's not, it's not the true option, right? But yeah. they'll run zone read stuff, and they'll run, and they'll run, and they'll run, and then they try to hit you with a big pass play. Now against Washington State, they ran the ball forty-seven times. They only threw it twenty-two. They were the team you just described. We're going to run it. You stop us. You can't. We run for three hundred yards. They ran 47 times for 306 yards. And when they throw, they're looking to hit big plays. It's not classic drop-back guy. He's not. He's, he's not. I don't think he's going to be. But he has a completion of 30 yards or more in every single game this year. But they do have these outlier games. If the Utes just totally commit, we are going to run blitz. We are going to stop the run and make you throw. Against UCLA, they threw it 39 times and only ran it 24. That's not who I think Oregon is. But I guess it's who they needed to be in that game, and it won them the game. So they can do it if the Utes really – now it was, it was tight. It was They won 34-31 at the Rose Bowl. Um, so I wonder how much the Utes will commit to it and if they're ready to face a team that throws 39 times and throws it down the field and is trying to hit on big plays.
3: Yeah, and, and, and it's, hard, it's hard not to buy into that, but you, ha- you have to commit to stopping the run. It's it's just it's a it's a foundational principle at Utah. It won't change. Uh, they'll 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 commit to that. And and really really the best way to stop the run <laughs> is to be explosive offensively. And if Utah can be explosive and say, okay, you know you get a lead, you get a 14 point lead, you get you, then, or, or or Oregon knows, you know we have to match we have to match score for score with Utah because because they're they're that explosive. That, that really helps your defense because then you then you become um less you know you be you, you become you become one-dimensional and and i just i just believe this quarterback will make mistakes and and i know i, I hear what you're saying but i just think consistently no he's not a guy that that's uh, gonna throw the ball and if you if you can make him move in the pocket and make him run around, he's even less efficient. And if, and if you create a situation where he's one-dimensional, I mean, that's always, it's always the philosophy with Utah. Create an offense that's one-dimensional, yeah. stop the run. And, of course, in the past it, it worked well, but the offense wasn't what it is today, and that, that makes Utah even that more dynamic. Um, I'm going to take my chances if I'm Utah, saying, Oregon, you got to beat us to throw the football.
1: Okay Scott, tell me why do I have Venus. this Tell me why I have this memory of you. I think it, you were in Detroit and it was Halloween and you dressed up as your coach with a cigar <laughs> in your mouth and you were mocking him. Why do I have this memory?
3: Well, it's a crazy dream you're having. I've never heard of that before. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> it's one of those things where the real world saw what goes on in a locker room. And, and it was a, it was a moment that I thought was private. It was a private team Halloween party. Uh, there's a lot of um, ribbing back and forth. And, and I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the most precious places in the world is an NFL locker room. Um, the, it, it really is. It's, it, there's, you can give guys a hard time. You don't care about race. You don't care about religion. You don't, it's like nothing is off limits. Uh, when you joke with guys, it's funny. Uh, no one takes it personal. Now, I don't know if it's that way today because we just live in a different world, social media, um, the woke culture that we have, whatever it is. <clears throat> but that was what was great. And and unfortunately, something that was private got out publicly. Someone video well, videotaped it uh, before there was such a thing and uh and and so it was just it, it was just a funny thing that would be normal and and the public was like you know how dare he make fun of his coach and you know and, and I was and I was making fun of my coach and and the next day I actually talked to my coach cuz it got out publicly and all he said to me was I understand I was at a party last night I just want to know if I had a good time or not <laughs> and that was the end of it <laughs>
1: I didn't realize it was a negative. I thought it was a funny thing that it's just lasted in my mind all these years because it was hilarious. I have more people remember
3: that than anything else. And it, <laughs> and it was, like it was, it was, it was really, it was. Uh, it, it, and the, the reason it had, was perceived as being negative is the, is the day before we were playing the New York Giants, and halfway through the game, the coach benched me, and so everyone thought it was me mocking him as a retaliation oh. for being benched. Which is stupid.
0: But you already had the costume and you were already committed to it regardless. Yeah, I mean, You're it was how yeah.
3: <clears throat> and it was funny. I mean. It was know, funny. It was, I remember yeah, it was
0: hilarious. Yeah,
3: and, and so everyone laughed about it, and, and including Coach Fonts. Yeah, and it's, it's a funny, it's just a funny relationship you have with, like, your coaches, and your teammates, and, and a lot of it is there are times when it's when you hate each other and it's heated and and because uh, you're you're so competitive and, it, and it's such a pressure uh, environment that you live in and being able to blow off steam, but also being able to kind of scream and yell at each other and know that it's OK and later on it will be fine. And, and you just kind of roll with it. And you have those moments and and everyone's OK at the end of the day, which is really what happens.
0: And who is the Lions coach who's won the only playoff game they've won in the last sixty-four years?
3: <laughs> I mean, Wayne Fons, A lot of people make fun of the guy and, and whatever, but I had no, I never had any issues with him. He was a guy that let you be a pro, and and he, and he let his coaches coach, and, and he just kind of steered the ship. But he was, um, I, I never, I never had any any issues, you know, with Coach Fons ever.
0: All right, well, we'll see if uh, Springville has any issues with uh, Lehigh Friday morning at 11, the old alma mater, going for state title number two. Good luck with that. Thank you, sir. Scott Mitchell, you're going to hear him today. Unrivaled. Catch it on your way home this afternoon, 3 o'clock, right into the Jazz pregame show at 7, and then the Jazz and Sixers tonight at 8. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Anytime, guys. Thank you. Scott Mitchell. Former Ute quarterback, here on the Ute broadcast now. Former Dolphin and Lion and former Springville Red Devil. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 to the zone. I know you've been waiting uh, an hour breathlessly for Kyle Whittingham to explain the evolution development of Nick Ford. That is coming up in our Ute update <laughs> in just a few minutes. Come on, Yock. All right. We'll do that coming up. Also, PK, this will shock you, but while we were talking Utes, people were uh, going to town on the Cougars and what may or may not happen with Kalani Satake. And we will get to that next. I think there's one thing that we've kind of alluded to, but we haven't exactly spelled out, but I think you and I both know it. I think it's something that uh, transitions across multiple careers and matters to coaches too, and we will get to that next.
2: Stay with us. The new Zone lineup is here up, up, with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, all day, every day. This is 90. 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com.
0: Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Thursday at the warehouse from 3 to 6 p.m. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! Gotta say PK's voice. I'll be handling the booms for the foreseeable future.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. So the topic of the morning has been Kalani. He was asked about it at his press conference. What is his interest in these other jobs? He has been linked to uh, at least interest from Washington and USC, two of the bigger brands in the Pac-12, deep-pocketed universities, to be sure, where football is real important, and they will throw massive amounts of money out there to fix those programs and get back to uh, winning the conference. So what, what is your level of concern about Kalani leaving? And Adam says 20% concern. Even going to the Big 12, I doubt BYU's willingness to pay market value. See also all other church job salaries. But going somewhere else involves rebuilding. While at BYU, he's starting to really enjoy the fruits of his labor. Still, everyone be like, and he sends a uh, cartoon uh, gif that says, Hello, I like money. I don't think we should underestimate, and he knows this because he's moved, the uh, energy it takes to move. Either moving, you know, just buying a house and moving, and we've all done that, or changing jobs and having to build something new. That requires a lot of energy. Uh, I've moved twice in radio. You've moved once. It is easier to re-up and continue on, and I think that's the way to play it, unless there is a really big change or difference to be made. And I guess that's the question, PK. How big of an opportunity is there to do something really different? It's one thing to get paid, and it's another thing to make sure all the people around you, your coordinators, the assistant coaches, the staff, get paid and to have the kind of staff you need with the analyst to see all the video of all the potential recruits and transfers and stay on top of the talent and all that, and be at a place that just sounds like it ought to win and is easier for big-time recruits to commit to. When you weigh all of that, how much do you think he weighs in the energy it takes to move and restart? How big a factor is that? Did he drop or is he pondering? He dropped. I thought, I thought BK was having a moment and having a really deep man. thought. There you go.
1: I'm pondering. Pondering factors in, of course, it does.
0: So then that's a bonus for BYU because they got him, he's got it rolling, and he's got uh, high profile recruits coming in that he really likes. And I think we also can't underestimate if you're changing things at BYU, you know, there's always a pipeline, right? You've got to spot the junior, recruit him, land him as a senior, get him on campus as a freshman, and then. Does he got to, you know, add the 30 pounds, grow into the frame and all of that? So there's a pipeline. But now the pipeline is, uh, is flowing. Uh, John says not at all. He's not leaving. Whew. I get if you're leaning that way. if you feel like the odds are better that he's staying than he's leaving. But not at all? Man, I, I can't put not at all in front of this. I can't guarantee you he's staying. And then it comes down to the rivalry. How do BYU, why would BYU and Utah fans get into it over the rivalry? Why would Kyle Whittingham all of a sudden be in the middle of this when Kalani's being linked to USC and Washington? Well, we'll explain that next. Also, coming up, Dylan Collie, former BYU wide receiver, joins us. Stay with us right here on The Zone.